The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Tonight we'll be talking about New Year's Smash Part 2. And Mike, before we get into the action, what's new? What's going on? Oh man, a, a little bit more of the same. I've been. I think I. I think I played too many video games over like the, the Christmas break from Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving till New Year's. I played a ton of video games, so I've been a little gamed out trying to find a new game to get into. But uh, yeah, nothing. Nothing really changed, man. I've been really uh, using the NBA as my distraction, and you know they've had some games postponed here and there, but. The unicorn is back, baby. The Mavericks, winners of four in a row. Luka is averaging 32, 11, and 10 in his last week and a half. Did you, did you see he had four blocks and two steals last night? Uh, no, I, I'm not at a stage in my life where I'm <sighs> paying that close attention to NBA stats anymore. <laughs> uh, Ten well, years ago, I would have been able to tell you that, but, but not anymore. Well, I think we should just rejoice that Luka Doncic is a defensive force right now. And I'm not even exaggerating <laughs> only a little bit like the Mavericks have the number two defensive rating in the league with a Luka Doncic led team. I just find that fascinating. These are the type of statistics that I get into. Like I think NBA statistics are far more interesting than like NFL statistics. I think there's a lot more you can glean from it. Sometimes I think this season is weird. And so a lot of weird mm-hmm. things are going to happen. Uh, and I don't think we should read too much into them. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to read into them. <laughs> I mean, we have teams playing against each other with eight man rosters right now. I mean, I know, man, Dallas had the last night they had five players missing and two of them starters. They're six man and like important bench pieces. Like, Freaking James Johnson had a baseline drive and dunk that looked like it was seven years ago. Like <laughs> the fact that I'm talking about James Johnson playing significant men that should tell you exactly what's going on with this season. Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> yep. I don't know. I, I've been seeing some stuff about them potentially trying to get the league vaccinated over the all-star break this year. Cause they have a longer all-star break and they haven't released the schedule after the all-star break so i think that might be what they're trying to get to and then they can get these players vaccinated and a safe and keep the season going so i think if we've learned anything over the last four or five years it's that like the negative press that you get from doing something has such a short shelf life because mm-hmm. I do think that like that would be a something that would not be looked upon positively if yeah. the NBA was like jumping the line for vaccinations. But I don't think people would pay attention to that for very long. No. <laughs> and, and I think and that's probably the calculus that they're making is yeah. like, you know. Honestly, it's it's more of the distributions the issue, not the number of vaccines. I think I was reading that they're like producing like twenty five hundred like a minute. <laughs> like like you could get the whole uh, NBA vaccinated and it'd be a blip in the amount of vaccines that they there have worldwide. So, yeah, I agree with you. It would definitely would be a short term 
PR hit. But look, they did the when they, they got some shit last year for the testing that they had at the bubble. Mm-hmm. And then it came out six months later that they financed this new rapid test. <laughs> like the NBA and NBA PA like did. Yeah. That the one that with. doesn't work. Well, no, 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 no. That's it's it. Well, no, no, no. The, the, it's not, it's not the, it's not the rapid test that like me and you can go get, like it's a different one. That well, yeah, had, but uh, they still have had lots of false results from their testing. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that's okay when you're testing every single day like they did in the bubble because there's a lot of chances for you to spot those. I think it's different for like a you and me to go get one and be like, okay, here's my positive, my negative tests. But these players are getting tested almost every single day. So I think that's okay for what they're intending it to do. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the negative press there. And also like, you know, if we can get through these, like, I don't know about you, but like my grandfather is getting vaccinated on Saturday. My mom, sister, and brother have all gotten vaccinated so far. Like they're healthcare workers and one lives in a group home, but you know, like it's, it's coming along, coming along slowly. But I think in six weeks, seven weeks, whenever that all-star break was, I think hopefully with uh better leadership in place on a national level, we're hopefully be a little further along where it won't be as bad. And I think that affects like, I think, I, I think wrestlers at some point, like, keep these shows going and keep those people safe. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, I think I'm interested to see how it goes down. Like we always say on this show. Well, thanks for tuning into our NBA podcast. Uh, we'll move on to talking about wrestling now. I I don't know about you. That was fun. (laughs) Oh, it's down for some NBA talk, but all right, Joel, we'll, we'll move on if you really want to. The dynamite that was. And Dynamite began with a grudge match between Eddie Kingston and Pac to settle their differences. Pac got the victory, and after the match, was threatened by one Murderhawk monster, Lance Archer. Next up was the match between Chucky T and Miro, and if Chuck loses, he has to be Miro's butler. And as we all expected, Miro got the victory because that's the only interesting thing that could have happened. And Chuck will now have to be Miro's butler until after the wedding. Next up, Matt Hardy and Private Party had a backstage segment arguing over their contract details. And there was a promo segment in the ring featuring all the members of the inner circle talking about their new year's resolutions after this was a backstage segment with the dark order trying to uh, get an answer from adam page as to whether he would be joining the dark order and they're pretty sure he's in after this was a vignette promoting the main event which was Darby Allen and Cage for the TNT Championship. This led into a backstage segment featuring Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Don Callis, where Don Callis talked the Bucks into coming out on their own to get their music and their pop and their pyro. And then Kenny proceeded to go out and instead of teaming with the Bucks, teamed with the Good Brothers to take on the team of Danny Limelight, Brian Pillman Jr., and Griff Garrison. Predictably, Kenny Omega got the victory in that match, and after the match was confronted by John Moxley and various members of the AEW roster. Next up was a debuting segment for Dynamite, The Waiting Room, which had previously been featured on AEW Dark, 
which is a talk show segment featuring Britt Baker, Dr. Britt Baker. Her guest was Cody Rhodes, who was not allowed to say anything. Uh, and instead, Jade Cargill was brought out to cut a promo and was confronted by Red Velvet. There was a slap fight that ensued and the camera awkwardly cut to <laughs> Thunder Rosa uh, being attacked by Britt Baker from a previous week. Uh, after this, we everything devolved into a major kerfuffle as Thunder Rosa threatened uh, Britt Baker in real time and a match was announced for Beach Break, uh, which will be taking place in February. After this very confusing segment was a tag team match between Jurassic Express and FTR. Uh, Jurassic Express sending out their mini squad of Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt, who lost to FTR in that match. Next up was the NWA Women's Championship match between Ty Conti and Serena Deeb. Serena Deeb defended her title successfully once again, bringing us to the main event of the evening. Brian Cage challenging Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. Darby Allen getting the pinfall victory off of an avalanche crucifix bomb, winning in the middle of the ring, one, two, three. And that was the week of Dynamite. Stock up, stock down. Let's start with that main event, Joel. Uh, a question for you. Do you worry about Darby Allen's long-term health? <laughs> um, I think he's probably an X-Man. So <laughs> he, he he must have like regenerative powers or like a really strong skeleton or something. Uh, and so as long as I can convince myself of that, uh, no, no, I don't have to worry. Uh, but well, when he dies in the ring, he will be an X-Man because he will be dead. Like... I wow, that, dark. <laughs> sorry, that spot like where at the beginning of the match where Cage threw him over the turnbuckle into the I'm guessing the timekeeper's table. Yeah, holy crap! And he had to turn to make sure he landed on that thing correctly because if not, he was going to land on it like perfectly parallel to it. Like, <laughs> I think wow. his mentality is like. You know, nothing that can happen to me in a wrestling match is worse than the things that have happened to me as a skateboarder. And he may be right. I've seen some pretty gnarly things in skateboarding, uh, but it still terrifies me when he does stuff like that. And then later on in the match, when he had Cage laid out on the ring steps and Mm -hmm. he does a top rope coffin drop, you know, to the (laughs) stairs on the outside. It's like, dude, like there are pointy edges on that thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I really don't want to see one of my favorite wrestlers impaled on ring steps, but uh, props to him. I mean, amazing spots. Yeah. I, this guy, remember, Oh God, this reminds me of one of the first Brian cage matches you ever showed me. Uh, the God, it was in Lucha underground. Was it him versus what is it? Oh, it was that like bar room match. Yeah, I know what match you know what? you're talking about. I don't remember who he Mac? faced off with Mac? in that match. It might it might have been. It might have been Willie Mac. Mac. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, okay, this is just what this will be. You know, I was conditioned for, you know, WWE hardcore matches. And in the course of that 10 minute fi- fiasco, <laughs> I was just like, holy crap. Uh Cage will put his body on the line. And I've got I got similar vibes from this match and just the thoughts that Darby was taking. 
Um, Much sugar glass in this one, though. <laughs> I kind of I want to go back and watch that match now. Uh, is that still... What app were you watching Lucha Underground on? Uh, I think it's Tubi. I'd have to check it out because I, I definitely want to watch that match again. But um, great, great work here from these two guys. I liked commentary's emphasis that this has been nine, seven, nine months in the making. Uh, Cage's first moment in his debut match was murdering um, Darby Allen. So, you know, to keep the the trend up of them just murdering each other, I thought was uh, was good. And I thought well, this and- was like. The feud has really been between Darby and Taz. All yeah. of the members of Team Taz have just served as avatars for this feud. In reality, it all started when Taz tried to give Darby advice and a helping hand. And I really like the continuity of uh, Darby winning with the crucifix bomb when the crucifix bomb was the move that he lost to Cody with. He tried to do that and tried to get the pin and Cody turned it on him. And that was when Taz tried to give him help. Uh, so to see him use that move, hit it correctly and win against one of Taz's team members uh, was really cool. Yeah. Stock up to continuity tonight. There were a bunch of references throughout the show where they reminded you of things they've done in the past. So, uh, and I'm, I'm a sucker for that, you know, don't throw away your history. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know really much else to say about this. It was, I thought it was fantastic. Um I don't I don't know what happens now with Darby having beaten, you know, the two main team Taz members. Uh does this kind of lead to a tag match with Darby Allen and Sting versus Cage? I think Cage literally would kill Sting if they had a <laughs> match together. Um so I'm a little concerned there, but where do you see what do you see these guys going from here, Joel? Yeah, we didn't even really talk about Sting's involvement here. And he he actually did like swing a baseball bat a couple of times. And I do think that kind of signals where we're going. I do think there's a, a pretty good chance that we see Sting and Darby team up briefly. And then, you know, I think this is one of those rare moments where it makes sense to do a face versus face kind of feud between Sting and Darby and we still haven't really heard sting cut a promo in the face of this mm-hmm. feud. So I, he could potentially come off as heelish and I could see him calling out Darby for, you know, ripping off parts of his gimmick and being ungrateful and, you know, take your pick of, of what angle you want to go with. And I think that'd be interesting Ultimately, I think the match that we want to see at this point that they've telegraphed is Sting and Darby Allen. So whatever's next has got to get us closer to that. And I think them tagging makes sense. Yeah, I, I think the ultimate Sting path here over the next 12 months is a, a match with Darby and then a eventual match with Cody. Seems like these are the two guys that they can get him in the ring with over the next year. And I think the fans would be happy with that. So. Yeah, I I mean I'm kind of down for Sting versus Taz one on one. What about you? <laughs> let's see let's see what Taz can do uh in the ring. You know, uh, there's an element of Taz that is similar to um Kurt Angle in that all of his moves are like lower body yeah. 
base, map base, you know, all of these throws and everything. So I don't think he necessarily has to have some amazing level of arm strength to be able to to pull it off. Uh, and you know, Sting is one of the most experienced wrestlers out there. So I'm sure the two of them could put a match together if they wanted to. I don't think any of us have, are clamoring for that. Uh, but I'm for it. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you something that i'm clamoring for and that's that's more of this feud between eddie kingston and pack mm, nice transition there dude thank you, you. Me in. <laughs> thank you um i love this match that opened the show and i uh i i tweeted out that after this match was over i i expected pack to just react like a movie character who's just been shot a bunch of times and you know how they don't start bleeding right away and then all the bullet holes start bleeding at once you know what mm-hmm. i'm talking about yep that's what it seemed like should have happened to pack's <laughs> chest after those chops that he took it's like no the blood vessels have burst but they haven't made their way to the surface yet and now the match is over and you know this man should be bleeding yeah, the the chops that he took here were <laughs> just insane. And I, I I think you tweeted this, but man, I love when uh, someone does like the drop kick, missile drop kick, running drop kick at the beginning of the match as yeah. soon as they enter the ring. And Kingston freaking sold the hell out of that. Um yeah, I, I don't I don't know what you can say other than this match was just the intensity was there. Um Kingston he's a big match fighter, dude. Like he's put on some pretty great stuff this fall and these one-on-one matches with what he had two with, uh, two with, um, uh, Moxley. And then this one with pack, just well, really he, good stuff. He whipped out a Seth Rollins style Enziguri in this match mm-hmm. and it looked great. That's the kind of thing that I don't necessarily expect to see from Eddie Kingston. And, the work that he has put in uh, and and I'm not super familiar with his work prior to coming to AEW. So I don't know, maybe he's been doing that kind of stuff for his entire career, but if he has, then he's showing it to the AEW audience piecemeal. So every time you see him, you're seeing something new, especially in big match situations like you're talking about. So I, I love it. And I think these two have real chemistry partially because they're both so believable. So give me more of this. I want to see more of Death Triangle versus Eddie Kingston's family and uh, any any and all combinations possible. Yeah, and I think tonight kind of really solidified Death Triangle as a, as a babyface group between, between how this match went down, between the kerfuffle after the trios match later in the show, like... They're setting these guys up for big things. I, I, I would, I could totally see uh, Pack being in line for Kenny Omega at some point over the next few months, like as a legit challenger to that. You know, we, I was a little worried that after uh, Moxley gave up the belt, they wouldn't really have any of these high end baby faces to go after Omega, and I think it's pretty clear that Pack is going to be one of those guys here soon. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. He's kind of adjacent already, given that Phoenix was just involved in that match. And then, you know, who came out to help Moxley at the end? The first tag team to hit the ring was uh, Phoenix and Penta. 
So I think there's a lot that can happen to kind of move us closer bit by bit. Uh, but I think I think the first stop is going to be a rematch with Moxley. I think that's probably what's next mm-hmm. in the main event scene. Uh, but I don't think it makes sense to put the title back on Moxley. I think that's just a way to, you know, close that chapter mm-hmm. for real. So... What do you think of the the stuff with the Murderhawk post match? They have this kind of um, weird, uneasy alliance. Is this leading to a potential pack Murderhawk match? Well, you know, I'd the theme of it. the night was kind of continuity because those two were jawing at one another when they were on the same team previously. Yep. So there's history there as well, and you know that might be something to keep Pack occupied while Omega and Moxley work out, you know, this last chapter of their current feud. So I think there's definitely some, some there, there. And uh, I think we can uh, expect to see that here fairly soon, Uh, possibly at this uh, beach break, which what? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) they have a bash at the beach continuity. Why the, like, it was like this time last year too. So also break? if it's supposed to be like a spring break like reference. Yeah, like, early who February? the hell had spring break in the beginning of February? That's cold as shit. Like <laughs> I don't uh, I thought that was that's a stock down to beach break. Like all my mind immediately went to point break. I'm like, ooh, are we getting Keanu? Like <laughs> the Schwaze? But well, I, if Keanu Reeves shows up, I'm pretty sure Patrick Swayze will not. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if Keanu Reeves shows up though, I'll I'll be back on board. Beach break all yeah. day. Yeah, me 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 too. Um yeah, I I where what do you think Eddie Kingston? Where's he where's he going for here? I I I know we've I know I've clamored for it. We haven't had many multi-man title matches at some point. I think there'd be a I think there's a creative way that if you really wanted to kind of show Omega as the best bat machine, have him do a multi-man match with like Eddie Kingston, the murder Hawk pack. Like you could do something like that and they could just tear the house down. I I would love to see it, but I'm curious of where Mr. Kingston and his family goes from here. Well, I mean, I think they still have unfinished business with the death triangle. So I think that's probably going to continue. As far as after that, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I think the dark order needs something to do. And Mm -hmm. that could be, you know, like we talked about previously, I think the Dark Order is poised for some babyface positioning on yep. the uh, the card, and you know, putting them up against Eddie Kingston, who is one of the most effective heels in the company, <laughs> would be a great way to do that. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's a, an excellent point, and you kind of saw tonight the Dark Order got a little babyface run with their segment backstage. So, yeah, um, that's total else? babyface stuff. Yeah. Uh, anything else on on the opening match here, Joel? You ready to move on to our next stock up? Yeah, uh, stock up to the NWA Women's Championship. Uh, that match was excellent. I really enjoyed uh, Ty Conti's work. I think she's improved dramatically. And at this point, I think Serena Deeb could have a great match with a mop and bucket if she wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Um, I, th- I, this match was great. Um, I, we've seen great stuff from Serena Deeb since she won the NWA championship 
And the, the potential was always there with Tay Conti. We we saw that back. She was in the uh, May Young, right? Yes. Young Classic, one of them. Yeah, we saw it back then. We knew it when she showed up this summer, started working with Anna Jay and the Oh, what was that? It was just was it just the AW Women's Championship tournament or tag tournament? I can't remember. Um, but we we saw it there too. So uh, I think there was this kind of just kind of a, a culmination of her build. Um, and yeah, I I think I always talked about when the women's division first kind of started getting going here in AEW that they just didn't have any kind of wrestlers who looked the look. You know, they had some topping people who were really good, but I think the women's division as a whole is starting to just get better trying to get more physical um and i think we're finally seeing the depth that this division has and i think this match is a like i wouldn't put tay conti or serena deeb at the main event level yet in terms of the women's division but holy shit can they work and uh they got got a really good thing going there definitely and i think you know we're gonna see these two divisions continue to be intermingled with you know Thunder Rosa having her feud with Britt Baker Mm -hmm. and, you know, having someone like Ty Conti, who's ostensibly part of the AEW roster challenging for the NWA championship. And I think that's a really good thing because we think about some of the matches that we haven't seen. Like I'd like to see Chris Statlander challenge for the NWA women's championship. Mm -hmm. I think that would be really cool. And I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see Hikaru Shida defend against. Um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> I'll edit this once you figure it out. I can only think of her name when she was in uh, Impact. She was Sienna. She was just on uh, AEW. She had a really good NWA title match. Allison Kay. Yes, Allison Kay. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I'd like to see Allison Kay uh, and Hikaru Shida have a match. I think that would be really good. So there's there's lots of opportunity for these two divisions to support one another. And uh, I don't know if uh, if Marty Bell is still signed to NWA. Um, if she's not, she's someone they should look into bringing in for AEW just to continue to grow this division. Uh, and I'm excited to see what happens with this red velvet Jade Cargill situation. Cause that has mm-hmm. the makings of being a really fun match with the kind of big, small dynamic that we don't typically get to see in the women's division. So, uh, cause Jade Cargill is really, really tall. And uh, yo, yeah, I noticed that when she stood in next to Cody. And she was wearing heels, but still, yeah. I mean, she was towering over him. And yeah. uh, that Cody's tells me that one. she's got to be like 6'1", 6'2". Cody's 6'1". I think I read that she's like 5'11". So she's like Charlotte Flair height. So slapping on those heels. Yeah, you're going to tower over Cody like that. So yeah, she, yeah. I, w- I, I, I know she's tall because I've seen her before. But man, like standing face to face with Cody like that was uh, was something. And yeah, I, I think the 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 overall state of the women's division right now is they got multiple things going on for once. Yeah. They're still kind of tied to championships, but the stunner Rosa Britt Baker has no championship implications. This red velvet, uh, Jade Cargill. Did I say that right? Yep. Okay. Uh, has no championship, um, you know, 
ties to it. So we're starting to see some more stuff and it, and it's not playing out on only dark like we've seen before, which I always felt like, yeah, if you're doing on dark, do it on dynamite at some point too. So I just think, I think we're in a good place. I think this is the most hopeful and optimistic I've been about the women's division, maybe since right before the pandemic. Yeah. At the very least, I would think it's since like Statlander went out. Yeah. So cool. Cool, dude. Well, you ready to anything else to say about this? Are you ready to move on to our lightning round? Let's do lightning round. Let's do it. Lightning round. All right, Joel, you had a few things uh, in the pre show talk about the inner circle segments. Why don't you give me your thoughts on that? Yeah, let, let's talk about this one because because we disagree on this. And um, the only thing I liked about this segment <laughs> was Jake Hager being excited for no reason. And just every time the mic was in front of him, just being like, yeah, championships. Because like this ongoing character that he's been putting together, it's it's really, it's fantastic. You know, because he's he's had these segments that have shown that he's kind of a sensitive guy uh, with the, oh, don't cry, Sammy. You're too pretty to be sad. <laughs> and, you know, then the, the backstage segment with him being comforted by MJF and he's just repeatedly smashing the locker. And there's some really good development going on here with him. And so that I liked. Everything else, I just don't care somehow we've gone from the dinner debonair, which is like my favorite thing AEW has done, like favorite individual segment to, I just don't care about the inner circle at all. And I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what the feuds are. I definitely don't care about this match coming up next week. Um, especially because Santana and Ortiz should win and they're not going to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just I find myself not caring at all. And that seems like a problem because the inner circle has been one of the most consistent things in the company since its inception. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this pulled me back in a little bit when they kind of did the Kumbaya or back together type thing. I'm like, well, what was the point of all of this? But to see that there's still animosity in the group here and that there's still division because I think this ultimately leads to either the inner circle completely breaking up or a schism where half goes, you know, <laughs> schism. Yeah. A schism, a schism, a schism, schism. I like schism. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I just used Google's uh, pronouncing and it. it's definitely schism. Yeah. All right. Well, well, you know what? I, <laughs> my dumbass teachers in, in elementary school said schism okay so i'm just going with what i was taught but schism that's at north carolina education you got that too oh you no, i didn't <laughs> we're gonna have a conversation out the history that my teachers taught me i'm starting to realize how full of shit they were <laughs> um <laughs> anywho schism <laughs> <laughs> I think we got our uh, title for the episode, by the way. <laughs> the Great Schism, spelled out with a S-H-H-H-H-I-Z-M. Um, the, <laughs> a breakup of the... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay. I think this leads to either a full-on breakup of the Inner Circle or factions growing, which will lead to the breakup of the Inner Circle. And that's why that... You mean I'm, like I'm, a schism? 
like a schism. Yes, the great schism between what was it? The uh, Holy Roman Empire and the Catholic Church. I don't know. Led to uh, an anti-pope. I know that. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, like anti-matter. Um, and when the two popes combine, the world ends. Um, anywho, <laughs> that's why I'm intrigued because it, it it makes it seem like they're not things are, things aren't back to normal and. Honestly, when you look at the landscape of the company right now, who's there for them to feud with that they haven't already feuded with? Like the group is so big now. What other group out there can actually like legitimately say, yeah, we can challenge them. So I I do think this ends up with them breaking up. And I do think MJF and Jericho winning this match next week or whenever it is will will be the catalyst because, you know, Santana Ortiz aren't going to take second fiddle in the tag division to those guys. Sammy already hates MJF. So I, I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. And that was a long uh, <laughs> lightning lightning round segment. But I think we both agree the inner circle either needs to end or they need something to drastically shake it up. And MJF joining was supposed to be that. And I think it still could be. I still think it could be the thing that leads us to a more interesting storyline. Uh, Something that I wanted to shout out in this segment was what I thought was an excellent tag team match between Jurassic Express and FTR and really highlighted the different flavor that Jurassic Express has when they send out the small guy squad. Because I feel like this is the combination that we've seen the least. We've seen most often Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. And then sometimes we've seen Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt, which is hilarious in and of itself. Uh, but I feel like we haven't seen too many instances of Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt together. And man, these two have great ring chemistry. I was really impressed by the spots in this match. I'm continually impressed by Marco Stunt. He is so damn good. And obviously we know what Jungle Boy can do, but I I thought this was super fun and uh, the right team won, but it was all about Jurassic Express to me. Yeah, I think them being able to come in and compete with FTR, who we consider one of the best tag teams in the world, is a exciting and and great for them. And man, it just makes me realize how silly my Marco stunt hate was last year. And I. I'm still, I will forever be ashamed for that because the dude is great. Yeah. Dude, the dude is great. So I, I will, I will admit, I've admitted before, but I admit my L on that. <laughs> and I don't know, you're getting, you're making, Jake Hager is making it very close for me to having to take an L on that one. Too. <laughs> well, Which that will, that will be the day. <laughs> I mean, I, I still think he's probably kind of a shitty person. So <laughs> I don't I don't see that changing based off of his ability to perform in segments and entertain me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at any rate. Yeah. Well, my my next item is I really enjoyed this Miro Chucky T match. Yes. I don't know about you, but it was super physical, really intense. And I always forget that Chucky T's a big dude too. Like he's a big guy. And it wasn't the longest of matches, but I've really enjoyed the storytelling here. I love Kip having the cutout of Trent. And what I'm most impressed about is that this feud really started as a best friends versus Miro and Kip. It didn't really include Orange Cassidy all that much other than Cassidy being at ringside. And it seems now that, yeah, the Trent injury had probably had something to do with it. It seems like this is now a Orange Cassidy versus Kip and Miro 
story and it kind of reinvigorated this and gave it more more legs so i i'm excited and i i know it was supposed to be he was supposed to be his young boy when did they switch it to butler i thought I think it was they must have decided that not enough people know what a young boy is young boy means and yeah that if you don't know what that. it is it kind of sounds you know gross <laughs> and and potentially problematic so yep. uh, i'm thinking that's probably what happened there and i'm fine with that honestly the butler thing could be a lot funnier because like be comedy if he's a young dude. boy then he has to wear plain black trunks and you know has to do all of the things that a butler would do anyway right like he's got to wash miro's clothes he's gotta you know do all these different things uh, and he would still have to do that but now we get to see him wear a suit and have to do that and that's way funnier so uh bring the funny and i am on board with this i, I wanted this result not necessarily yeah. because i wanted Miro to win the match but because i want to see the hilarious backstage antics that this segment promises so yeah you, you can't have you can't have trent uh, sorry you can't have chucky win this match with that stipulation he had to lose and i hope this leads to a a chucky t versus orange cassidy match that Miro orders chucky t to to fight orange cassidy that's yeah i like that I think that would be uh, I think that would be good. And in that match, if they had him wrestle in like plain black trunks and knee pads, but still have a bow tie on, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Looked like a Chippendale. <laughs> Anywho, Joel, do you have another lightning lightning round item for me? Uh, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't briefly talk about the Kenny Omega and Good Brothers match against. Uh, I yeah. saw them referred to as Mullet Club, um, which. I thought was pretty good. Uh, Pillman and, uh, and Garrison. Uh, <laughs> but That's I was funny. really impressed by Danny Limelight in this match. Uh, he really stood out. Uh, his work with the ropes was really impressive. And the, the moves that he made seemed like more in the natural flow of the match than a lot of like rope trickeration. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it a lot. Like he just went right into jumping off the ropes and, and doing all these crazy moves and it looked great. So I was impressed with him and it's just great to see the good brothers in an AEW ring. Yeah. And man, I was, you know, I thought, okay, this will be a squash bucks and Omega are going to win. But when they had the good brothers come out instead, and then you see the young bucks reaction backstage, it, my curious sensors went off. I am intrigued by what's going to happen with that. So, well, and then at the end of the show, when the whole, uh, well, not the end of the show, but the end of that match, when the whole kerfuffle happened, the bucks who were clearly right there, didn't come out until the very end of that segment to kind of break things up. So, you know, they were kind of late to making the save, and I think that's interesting, too. So there's definitely some animosity there. And it's been clear in recent weeks that they're conflicted about this new direction with Kenny. So I think we're seeing kind of the, the next evolution of that. And it's kind of like Kenny saying, look, if you guys aren't cool with me winning by any means necessary and being this egotistical all about the, the wins and the championships and the money, then I'll find someone who is OK with that. And mm -hmm. he found the good brothers. 
Can I can I fantasy book here for a second? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, uh, I'm bu- I'm booking Revolution here, so I, I'm booking Omega versus uh, Moxley. Give us that rematch on a pay per view. Give them more time, maybe stipulation, and then I want a three way tag match: Young Bucks, Good Brothers versus the Lucha Brothers, and both titles are on the line. Whoever team gets pins, they lose their belts. What do you think about that? So would it be like an elimination match? Because like what happens nope. if Lucha Bros it's, it's, lose? Yeah, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing. If the Lucha Bros lose, no one loses their titles. Okay. And if 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 the champion gets pinned, they lose their belts. All so right. you have the, the prospect of a double champion. You have the prospect of the uh, Lucha Bros here getting the belts. You can also play in the fact like, okay, we got to beat up the Lucha Bros since we both lose, won't lose our titles. But I think it's a good way to to burn the, the the fire. And I know part of this agreement with impact is good brothers matches. And I believe there's a pay-per-view as part of that deal. So that would make a lot of sense to me. I'd be down. I think that's an interesting way to go. And yeah, uh, stipulation you see often. Like, yeah, I like matches usually. that make you think. Yeah. So I'm all about the fantasy booking today. I don't know. But, um, I got, I got one. I got, I think one more item. I really liked, uh, Britt Baker on the the waiting room. I thought she was hilarious. All yeah. the the all the just corny shit. Like, look under your seats, and then there's nothing there. And then it's talking a about great how Cody vehicle makes, for her. Yeah, how Cody makes good decisions, except the thing on his neck. Like, <laughs> I thought it was so funny, and I love the line: "No fake friends, only fake teeth." I thought that was <laughs> gold. I because I, I don't watch Dark Dark regularly, so I've never seen this segment before, and I thought it was very very good, very good stuff. Yep, and agreed. Cody literally had nothing to say to this week, which I thought was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just kind of showed up, and ostensibly his show was promoted, but but not really. Yeah. Do you got anything else left in Lightning Round, dude? Nah, let's get out of here. Well, I have I have a a real quick. Uh, random observation. Oh, fire away. Uh, yeah, so after Jade Cargill left the WWE Performance Center, she was trained by AR Fox. And yeah. we have seen him multiple times. And that makes me super excited because AR Fox is insane and awesome. So hoping that rubbed off on her and when we eventually see her take the ring. Yeah, AR Fox is amazing. Yeah. Was he in that crazy match we saw <laughs> with the, the ladder match? I yes. Because he was in that, and so was Leo Rush, which was nuts. So, yep, that's it. Jay Cargill was trained by Era Fox at one point, which I thought was fun. So, all right, guys, you can f- follow us. There we go. I'm trying to figure out which way I want to go with this. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Other Wrestling Show. You can follow us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can follow Joel at The Other Joel. You can follow me at Michael underscore Aranda. Might be changing that to The Other Aranda at some point make it consistent with Joel's branding. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, all the podcasting apps out there. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, do all of that. You can email us at show at gmail.com. And Joel, anything else before I hit the gym tonight? Uh, no, still a great time to join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Bye, guys. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.